That's some pretty marvelous love, isn't it? Man, anybody excited about that? Is that crazy? That a God like him would love a messed up person like you? I mean, come on. That's crazy. Because you are messed up. And so am I. Hey, we're in this series where we're digging into the book of James called Making It, Making Our Faith Real. And it's, it's been a good time, but granted, it, it hasn't always been an easy time because James is, he's kind of like a spiritual personal trainer, right? I, I mean, he, he, he tells us the truth and he works us out hard. And when we leave, we feel kind of stretched and sore, but it's that soreness that feels good because you know that it's, it's doing good for you. Um, but last week, we stepped out of the series to talk about Pursue Remix, where we kind of hit the reset button and said that, that it's, time to get, it's time for each of us to get serious about pursuing the mission that Jesus has given to each of us, that we got to start pushing past the distractions and all the lesser things, and everything is a lesser thing when compared to the gospel of Jesus Christ, which is of first importance to you know, so we got to push past the distractions and the lesser things and get back on mission. And our mission at church is the same mission that Jesus had. And like Jesus, we, we seek the lost, we make disciples, and we show compassion. And, and, and brothers and sisters, if we are not doing those things, then what's the point? There is no point, right? No point at all. And, and, and we also said last week that for, for Maple Grove to to be on mission, that each of us need to be on mission. So question, are you on mission? Are you sharing your faith? Are you developing relationships with those who are far from Christ? Are you on mission? Am I on mission? Are you making disciples? Are you growing in your faith and helping others growing theirs? Are you on mission? Am I on mission? Are you on mission? Are you, are you showing compassion? Are you doing loving acts of kindness out in our community and within the body? Are you on mission? Am I on mission? You see, the mission starts with me, and the mission starts with you. Look to the person to your right and left. Look in the eye and say, it starts with you. It starts with you. It starts with you. <laughs> ah! And now say to yourself, it starts with me. It, it starts with me. It, you, you see, another deal is that we won't accidentally fall into living a life on mission. We have to be intentional about it. And that's why at Maple Grove, since October, we've had this diagram that you see. And sometimes, guys, you see it at the urinal, right? You know, <laughs> TMI, sorry, too much information. No urinal talk in church, all right? That was in my first preaching class, I think. But, but anyhow, okay, here, here's this life on mission diagram that we use. And, and, and a, a life on mission begins with belong. Belonging to Christ, right? Surrender your life to him in faith, repentance, and baptism. And then belonging to a church, making a commitment to a local church. Um, and by the way, next Sunday after, first ser- after second service, we're having our belong class. For those who have been hanging out here, who have not made a formal commitment to Maple Grove, come to that class. we got free food free childcare and find out what we're about, okay? And, and, and next, you know, uh, a life lived on mission deepens with grow, right? When we commit to habits that, are, that will make us grow. If we read our Bibles, if we pray, if we tithe, if we're in community, right? You know, if we do these things, we will grow. 
And, and then a life lived omission expresses itself <clears throat> through serve. And by serve, I mean serving the body of Christ here in this place, right, to make this body stronger. We all have different talents and gifts, right? You know, we got people who, who wow, we got some serious flower beds out there, right? Conrad spends a lot of time there, right? We got people filling communion cups, people who clean toys in the nurseries, people vacuuming floors, right? You know, all kinds. It's, but all of us together is what makes this body strong. Then finally, a life little mission um, um, unleashes God's power through engage. As we engage the world through acts of compassion, like what's coming up on 920 when we won't have a morning service, we'll go out and serve the community. And we also unleash God's power when we engage lost people, people who need Jesus and who right now face a Christless eternity. Amen? Now back to our regularly scheduled message. Back to this 2,000-year-old letter written by the breath of God in the pen of James, the half-brother Jesus. A letter written to encourage Jesus' followers in the first century and in the 21st century to, to stay strong and to, to not give in to the comforts of the world, the ways of the world, or the wisdom of the world, but instead to demonstrate real faith, to make it real, and, and to live as a first fruits people. James introduces this concept of first fruits right out of the gates in James chapter 1, verse 18, uh, when James says this. He chose to give us birth through the word of truth that we might be a kind of, what? First fruits. Kind of first fruits of all that he created. You see, Maple Grove, it's God's intent that you and I live our, our lives as a portrait of how life can and should be lived. That, that we live our lives as first fruits. That we live our lives as a preview of where God has taken all of creation. Right? And one day God's going to restore everything in our world to as it should be, and we are a first fruits of that. We show the people of this world what it looks like to live in relationship with God. And as a first fruits people, as people who are making it real, you know, we must ground and fuel our faith in the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Brothers and sisters, Jesus is alive and the gospel is true. Okay, that was like so weak, right? <laughs> all right? You, you know me, right? I beg, right? I'm not too proud to beg for love back from you guys, all right? You know, brothers and sisters, Jesus is alive and the gospel is true. Amen, Amen right? That's crazy. It's true. And as first fruits people, we also uh, must turn our, uh, we can Make our faith real by turning our trials into triumphs, by defeating sin and temptation, by, by being doers and not only hearers of the world, by, by reigning in our tongues, by, by updating our favorites list so that no matter who people are or where people are or what they struggle with, they're welcome to join us at the feet of Jesus. And as first fruits people, we are people who combine our faith and our works to become the original and ultimate dynamic duo that saves, that makes sacrifices, that takes risks, that's alive, that honors God, and that changes the world. We are a first fruits people. And this morning, James is going to talk to us how as first fruits people, as people who are making it real, how we need to tame the untamable. We're going to talk about the tongue this morning. We're going to talk about the words that come out of our mouths. And in the age of social media, the words that come out of our thumbs, right? 
Because we do a lot of talking that way too. Now listen, the tongue remains hidden for the most part. But whenever it does make its presence known, it has incredible power. Understand the tongue can express or repress. It can release or restrain, enlighten or obscure. It can adore or abhor. The tongue can offend or befriend, affirm or alienate, build or belittle. The tongue can comfort or criticize, delight or destroy. The tongue can be sincere or sinister. The tongue can x-ray, it can, the tongue can Xerox the good or x-ray the bad. The tongue. We all got one, don't we? I mean, everybody has something to say. In fact, statistics say that the average person, not the overly talkative or the the overly shy, but the average person spends one-fifth of their life talking. Check this out. If our words were to be put into print, the results would be this. A single day's worth of words would fill a 50-page book. In a year's time, the average person would fill 132 books of 200 pages each. That's average, some more, some less. And that's a lot of opportunity to screw up and make mistakes, amen? That's a lot of words. And so it shouldn't surprise us that the Word of God and that the life that God invites each of us to live would have something to say about the way we use one-fifth of our lives. No, it shouldn't surprise us that God has some thoughts, has a plan, has a design for how we use our words. James has already talked about some of those thoughts of God. He said this in James 1.19. My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to, slow to, and slow to, because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. James 1.26, those who consider themselves religious, and that simply meant faith back in that day, those who consider themselves faithful, a person of faith, a man of faith, a woman of faith, yet do not keep a tight rein on their tongues, deceive themselves. And the religion is what? It's worthless. Okay, I think it's important um, as we begin for us just to put it all out on the table. Question, have you ever, and raise your hand, have you ever misused your tongue? Raise your hand. Okay? And for those of you who refuse to raise your hand, have you ever lied in church, right? <laughs> we got a video camera. We're watching. We're always watching. Okay? Question. Have you ever said things to someone that hurt them rather than helped them? Have you ever said something to someone and your intent was to do just that? I mean, you did it on purpose. You knew if you said it, it was going to hurt. You knew if you said it, it was going to crush them. And you wanted to crush them, and you said it anyway. Raise your hands. Okay? Uh, Raise your hands if you ever use your tongue to gossip about somebody. I I love Rick Warren's definition of gossip. He says this, when we're talking about a situation with somebody who's neither part of the problem or part of the solution, then we're probably what? We're probably gossiping. And listen, our motivation means a lot when it comes to gossip. You know, like, why do we want to share that tender, juicy morsel, right? Why do, why do we want to? And here's another way that I think to know if you're gossiping. 
You know, if you're, if you're talking to somebody, maybe in that corner, in the hallway, in the cafe, in the parking lot, and you're talking to someone about somebody, and if that person happens to walk up to you, or if a friend or family member there's walked up to you, and you suddenly have the urge to stop talking, you just might be a redneck. Oh, that's the wrong joke. <laughs> you just might be a gossiper, right? I, I remember one time on, on the submarine, our, 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 our doc, our corpsman, gave haircuts, and, and he, I was saying he was old, but my goodness, he's probably 20 years younger than I am right now, so he wasn't old. Um, and like he butchered me, and I'm, I'm sitting in cruise mess, and talking to my buds, and and I guy said, I'm going to get a haircut. I said, whatever you do, don't go to Doc. He just, I mean, his hand shakes like an old woman, and he butchered my hair. It's ridiculous. He was right behind me. And he said, I'm sorry. Sad thing is, if he wasn't there, I wouldn't have, wouldn't have bothered me at all, right? But all of a sudden, it's like, wow, that really wasn't a good thing to say. Okay. Raise your hands if you still, not last year, not before you met Jesus, right? If you still struggle with the words that come out of your mouth. Okay, we're all in the same boat, right? I mean, most of us were born not with a silver spoon in our mouth, but with a foot in our mouth. <laughs> would that be absolutely ridiculous, man? You know, stick out your tongue. Ah, that would be so creepy. All right. Absolutely creepy. Some of you will never get that out of your mind, right? Okay. See, we all have this natural ability to say the wrong thing at the wrong time. And nothing is open more wrongly and at the wrong time than our mouths. Yes, our mouths can and do get us into a lot of trouble. That's why James, a guy who's concerned about real faith, not bumper sticker faith, not coffee cup faith, not hang a, banger, hang a banner on the wall faith, talks more about the tongue than anybody else in the New Testament. He says we all stumble in many ways. Anyone who is never at fault in what, he, what they say is perfect, able to keep their whole body in check. And James says if you can control your tongue, you're perfect, not sinless. The word perfection in Greek literally means mature or healthy. Now, when you, when you go to the doctor, you know, I remember, especially as a kid, right, and you say you're not feeling good, they tell you to stick out what? Your tongue. And they try to gag you to death with this thing, right? Like, how far can I cram that down a guy's throat without him barfing or something, right? I always hated that, right? But the doctor's like, hey, you know, it, your tongue's going to reveal, like, kind of what's going on in your body. And James would say your tongue reveals what's going on in your heart and you spiritually. And there's four points in our notes this morning. And I got to tell you, I, I, I am beyond excited about this message. And, and I got to tell you this, too. Um, I don't have time to help you with your tongue because I got enough work to do right here. I do. And I got a hunch. If I was a betting man, you got enough work to do on your tongue. So, so I'll tell you what, I didn't bring you here to your wife's tongue, your husband's tongue, your mama's tongue, your daddy's tongue. You know, you know he brought you here to talk about whose tongue, right? Because it's so much easier, isn't it, in church, right, to apply it to somebody else? You know, for me to stand up here and apply it to you rather than to apply it to myself. But I, I confess, I, I have some work to do with my tongue. But I believe in the power of God and the power of his living, active word that even in this brief amount of time, well, brief by my definition, right, uh, that God can do great things. Um, I'm going to ask you guys to pray. And, and uh, 
with palms open and hearts open and maybe today with our mouths open, right? Everybody still got your tongue? No, I'm kidding. <laughs> Sorry, I'm not well. Father God, we love you and it's an honor and a privilege to be into your presence and we thank you. We thank, thank you for James. Thank you that he doesn't coddle us. He doesn't whisper sweet nothings that do nothing in our ears, but he calls and challenges us to be people of real faith who live as a first fruits people to be a preview, a, a portrait of how life can be lived when we're walking with you. And, and God, I, I pray that you would help me to hear your truth today and not just speak it. And God, I, I pray, I believe in you. And I know you, you are tired of seeing tongues destroy things. I pray that you have your will in this place. And I am so excited for what's going to happen in our community, in our homes, and in this church. Because the power of your word and your truth. In Jesus' name, amen. Our tongue directs where we go. James says this. When we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal or take ships as an example. Although they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants to go. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Understand, if, if we want to know where we are headed in the next five to ten years, we need to look at the words that are coming out of our mouths. If we want to know the direction our, our life is moving, we need to take a look at the conversations that we are having. You see, we shape our words, and then our words in turn shape our lives. They direct where we're going, and, and James gives us two examples. First, he says, you know, it's like a bit, and then it's like a rudder. He says, consider a bit in a horse's mouth. I mean, you, you, you've, you've got this powerful horse, two to 3,000 pounds, and you put on top of it a 95-pound jockey or maybe even a 75-pound a little girl, and they can control this powerful horse with a, simply with a piece of metal that is strategically placed over the tongue of the horse. And James says, that's what the tongue's like. You, you, you have this little tiny muscle that has such a huge impact on our lives. I, I, I mean, the, the tongue, can, it, it can make us or it can break us. It can open doors for our future or it can close doors for our future. Uh, with the tongue, the tongue, we can help other people or we can hurt other people. The, the tongue is like a bit in a horse's mouth. It directs where we're going in life. Get it? Good. And, and then he says it's like a rudder on a ship. You know, when I was in the Navy, I spent three years at Newport News Shipyard, and I had the opportunity to, to see aircraft carriers and submarines. Moment of silence for the submarine service. <laughs> and, 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 you know, in dry dock and even sometimes going down in the bottom. You think those things are big on top of the water? You should see them out of the water, right? Yet despite their size, they're controlled by a small rudder. Here, here's a rudder off an aircraft carrier, okay? It's kind of big, right? I mean, there's like six guys looking at it. I don't think they could pick it up together. That's why they got the crane hooked up to it, right? But yet it controls a massive ship because what do you think's bigger? <laughs> you, know, you know, pick out six guys there. You're talking like five to 6,000 guys and everything, and yet that small rudder. By the way, that's a, 
USS Ronald Reagan. And James says like a rudder on the USS Ronald Reagan, our tongue literally directs our lives. And listen, both the bit and the rudder must overcome contrary forces, right? I mean, the bit has to overcome the strength and power of the horse, and the rudder has to overcome um, the winds and the strong currents that could drive a ship off course. In like matter, the tongue must overcome the powerful influences of our sinful nature and the influences of this broken, dark, corrupt world. And, and so the question we need to be asking ourselves, not no one else but ourselves, right? You know, I need, we need to be asking ourselves, where is my tongue directing me? Where is my tongue taking my life and the life of those around me? I, I mean, do I have a, a messed up rudder that's about to run my life aground? Next, James says, our tongues can destroy what we have. Tongue is also a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole body, sets the whole course of one's life on fire, and is itself set on fire by hell. All kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and sea creatures are being tamed and have been tamed by mankind, but no, man, no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless what? Evil. Full of what? Deadly poison. Okay, James, tell us how you really feel. I mean, James is giving us his uncensored, straight up, no holds barred truth about the tongue. I mean, he is one tough SPT, spiritual personal trainer, right? He's working his hard. But, but don't we... Don't we affirm that statement? I mean, even when you hear it as harsh as it is, doesn't it ring true? I mean, the tongue can be a restless evil. The tongue can be full of deadly poison. The tongue can destroy lies. And then James gives two illustrations, fire and wild animals. Now, fire can begin with just a spark, but it can grow and destroy an entire city. A fire reportedly started in the O'Leary Barn in Chicago at 8.30 p.m. on October the 8th, 1871, grew and spread to disastrous proportions, killing 300 people, leaving 100,000 people homeless, destroying 17,500 buildings at a cost to the city of $400 million. That's about $7 billion adjusted for inflation. And James says, your tongue and my tongue can destroy like that, can destroy like a raging fire that can cause us to lose it all. You know, you know I, I, I wonder how many people, because of a, a careless word spoken or written or social mediated, you know, have destroyed what they have. With a careless word, have destroyed a marriage, have destroyed a friendship, have destroyed a relationship, have destroyed a career, have destroyed a reputation, have destroyed a reputation of another person, or have caused and stirred up conflict in the Lord's church. Brothers and sisters, your tongue and my tongue not only has the power to direct where we go, but to destroy what we have. Proverbs 12, 18 says, reckless words 
pierce like a sword. A deceitful tongue crushes the spirit. A perverse person, what kind of person? What kind? Perverse? Does what? Stirs up what? Stirs up conflict. And a gossip separates close friends. Without wood, a fire goes out. Can anybody testify that in a fireplace, right? Right, campfire? True statement. Without a gossip, what happens to a quarrel? Dies down. Dies down. Dies down. Hey, do you remember that saying? Our words are powerful. Do you remember that saying? Sticks and stones may break my bones, but names shall never hurt me. What a stinking lie, right? That is so stinking untrue. I mean, a, a broken bone can heal, but a spirit crushed by destructive words doesn't heal so quickly. And the other statement was equally stupid. I'm rubber, and you're glue. <laughs> Whatever you say to me bounces off of me and sticks to you, but also sticks to me because I got some glue on me last week. <laughs> it's just not true. It's just not true. Words hurt. So let me ask you a couple of questions, and don't have to raise your hands, but how many people have you, not your spouse, not someone you're mad at, how many people have you crushed or pierced with your words? Which do your words do more of? Do they, are they more, do they do more building up or tearing down? Has your gossip ever stirred up conflict? Has your gossip ever separated close friends? Has your gossip ever kept a conflict going and going and going? Then James continues, it, a tongue out of control, sets the whole course of his life on fire and is itself set on fire by hell. Man, this guy holds no punches, right? You, you walk into the ring with James, you best be ready, right? Because he's going to tell us the truth. And the truth is that when, when you or I or when we, when we use our tongue to hurt and destroy another person, to hurt and destroy the church, the source of those words comes straight from the depths of hell itself. Get it? Good. Does. We also need to understand that when we do that, we use our words the wrong way, it's not without consequences. James says that it does what? It sets the course of our entire life on fire. It corrupts our entire being. It, 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 it will just mess us up. It will mess us up all over. And then James compares the destructive power of the tongue to wild animals, all kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, sea creatures, are being tamed and have been tamed by mankind, but no being can tame the tongue. Here's some animals being tamed, you know? All right, powerful horses tame. Okay, Shamu, right? You know, I, I spray when I talk. I call that the splash zone, just like at SeaWorld. Be ready. <laughs> yeah, pick up your poncho. You're going to need it, right? You know, uh, you know, they're cute. I want the key. Oh, so sweet. Sweet, sweet. Tamed, cute. A tamed animal, cute. Untamed, not so cute. 
Could you even imagine that coming at you, right? You know, that's scary, right? That's scary stuff. Yes, man has been able to tame all kinds of animals, but no man has been able to tame the tongue. And James continues, it is a what? It is a restless evil. It's the same word he used in James chapter 1, 8, when he talked about the waves of the sea being tossed about, unsettled. It's this restless evil. You know, it's, li- it's liable to break out at any moment. I mean, we never know what the tongue is going to do. And then he says it, it's like a poison, a deadly poison. And the Greek, Greek word there is literally snake venom. Here's a picture of a snake. Uh, has some of the most, one of the most deadliest snakes. It's an inland taipan from Australia. And I read somewhere that, that like, in one bite, it releases enough venom to kill 100 men. That's that snake. I, to me, snake, snake, you're dead, right? <laughs> Either you're dead or I run. That's the only two options. Right? Or I jump on the table and scream like a girl. That's it. Not that scream like girls bad, ladies. That's really powerful. <laughs> oh, that was bad. Okay. Uh, but the tongue is also full of deadly poison. David said it this way. Rescue me, O Lord, from evil men that make their tongues as sharp as a serpent's. The poison of vipers is on their lips. I mean, would anybody let loose hungry lions or venomous snakes? Would you let them loose in your home? I mean, would you come here on Sunday morning and go, here we go, here we go. We wouldn't do that, right? I mean, we'd say, hey, we're glad you visited, but please don't bring the snakes and tiger with you next week. You know, we wouldn't do that. James say, then why in the world would you unleash such a beast in your home where you work? And where you go to church. Next he says, our tongues display who we really are. With the tongue we praise our Lord and Father. Right? And that's good, right? We've done that in here this morning. That's a, that's a great use of our tongue. And with it we curse human beings who've been made in God's likeness. Now, this, now cursing there doesn't mean profanity. It, it means it's the opposite of blessing, right? Rather than bless somebody, you, you put them down. You, you tear them down. You let them know that you think they're worthless or they're no good or they'll never amount to anything or they're not worth being around, right? That, that's what he, he's talking about. We praise God and, and then we curse human beings who've been made in God's image. I mean, I mean it, it, isn't it amazing how quickly the words that are coming out of our mouth can change? I mean, it, one minute we're, we're in here singing, Holy Spirit, I stand amazed. And the next minute we're over there out in the parking lot, the restaurant at home, and the stuff that is coming out of our mouth is this pure, unadulterated ugliness. Yes, the tongue, mine and yours, is such a contradiction. It's so inconsistent. It's Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. One minute we're praising God, and the next we're cursing other people who were made in his image. We're cursing God's kids. You know, and... Most parents wouldn't like you to do that to their kids, right? It just wouldn't go well. Uh, my son's here is visiting with my, my grandson, Michael Miles Malone. Michael Miles Malone is in the house. Yes. <laughs> okay. And, and, and uh, he loves his son. And in the hallway, if he just said, hey, what an ugly baby. You know, maybe, can you just, like, do something with him, you know? Like I mean, that, that wouldn't go well, right? So, so why do we think we can talk about God's kids that way? And to think it's not going to offend him. The guy goes, wait a second, I created him. 
I created her. They're my son, they're my daughter, and, and you like think that's okay? Do you struggle with an inconsistent tongue? Have you ever used your tongue to praise God in this room on Sundays and before the sun set, you used it to curse men who were made in his likeness? Out of the same mouth, James says, comes praising cursings. My brothers and sisters, this should not be. And I think we'd agree with them, right? James, you're right. It shouldn't be like that. It shouldn't. So the question is, why is it like that? Well, he's going to give us the answer in the next two verses. And he uses, he uses two analogies again. You know, just like bit and rudder and, and fire and wild animals. He says this, can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? And the image here is of, of a flowing stream that has both you know, fresh water and salt water flowing through it. Now, natural springs still exist in the Middle East, you know, uh, um, but some produce fresh water and some produce salt water, but none of them produce both. And what James is saying is that just as it's impossible for a spring to have both fresh water and salt water, so it, so it is inconceivable for the tongue to send forth both righteousness and rumors, blessings and blastings, compliments and cursings, grace and gossips, salutations and slander. My brothers and sisters, can a fig tree bear olives? Or a grapevine bear figs? Neither can a salt spring produce fresh water. And again, the point is this. Whatever's in the well comes out in the water. Whatever's in the tree comes out in the fruit. I mean, what's the likelihood of an apple tree producing cherries? Zero. And yeah, our spiritual personal trainer is roughing us up a bit. He's putting some extra weights on, and he's telling us that our problem really isn't our tongue. But our problem is our what? It's our heart. What comes out is what is inside. You see, our mouths eventually will display who we really are. And yet we can con, we can fool, we can pretend for a while, but eventually our tongue is going to rat us out. It's going to reveal what's really inside. I mean, have you ever seen this scenario played, or maybe you played it out yourself? Someone says something mean or hurtful, and they go, I don't know what got into me. That's not like me to say something like that. You know what James will say? Yeah, it is. <laughs> Yeah, it is. He said, it's just like you to say something like that. You meant it. James would say, quit kidding yourself. What's inside is going to come out. You don't have a spring that one minute gives salt water and the next minute gives fresh water. That's inconsistent. It's a natural law. What comes out of the water is what's inside the well. What comes out of the tree is what's in, what comes out of the tree is what's inside the fruit. I mean, yeah. Almost didn't make sense. Amen. 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 Jesus said it this way. Bail me out, Jesus. Here's what he said. For out of the overflow of the heart, what? The mouth speaks. Jesus explained the Freudian slip long before Freud existed. He said, see, the stuff coming out of you is the stuff that is in you. And that is why when we have a tongue problem, it's, it's a serious problem because it's a heart problem. A person with a harsh tongue has an angry heart. 
A person with a negative tongue has a fearful heart. A person with an overactive tongue has an unsettled heart. A person with a, a boasting tongue has an insecure heart. A, a person with a filthy tongue has an impure heart. A person who's critical all the time has a bitter heart. On the other hand, a person who's always encouraging has a happy heart. A, a person who speaks gently has a loving heart. And a person who speaks truthfully has an honest heart. But our message doesn't end here because the good news is our tongues can do what? Our tongues can bring and give what? Bring and give life. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. Death and life are in the power of the tongue and those who love it eat its fruits. I, I love the story that Barbara Glantz, she's a, a motivational speaker and business executive and she tells the story of when she, had, she spoke to a bunch of Grocery store workers and retail people, a group of about 3,000, and she talked to them about the power of words and how the words you speak can have a huge impact in the lives of other people. About a month later, she got a call from a guy named Johnny who was at the training, and, and Johnny told her, says, I'm, I'm 19 years old, and I have Down syndrome, and I'm a bagger at a grocery store. He told her that up front. He said, I really enjoyed your message and when I went home, I tried to figure out how to apply it. And first I couldn't, but then, then me and my dad came up with an idea. And, and now every night we sit down at the computer and we find some words of affirmation and encouragement. If I can't find a good word somewhere, we'll make one up. And we'll put them on our computer. We'll, put six, we'll print six on a page, print out 50 pages, and cut them out. And so I have 300 slips of paper. And every night, Johnny signs each one personally. And then what he does, he, you know, he gets ready to bag. He, he goes to the grocery store. When he's bagging, he has those slips right here. And as he's bagging the grocery, when that last bag, he'll, he'll put that note in there and say, hey, I slipped something in your bag, and I hope it brightens your day. Well, a month later, Barbara gets a call from the manager of the store. He says, you're not going to believe what's happening here. He says, it's getting crazy. He says, the other day, we have all these lines open, you know, for checkout, and they're all empty except Johnny's. And his is going all the way into the frozen food section. And we're going on the intercoms, and we have more lanes open, more lanes open. They even walked down the aisles and asked people to move to another aisle. And they said, nope, not moving. We want to be in Johnny's lane. Well, one lady grabs the manager, and, and, and she, she says, you know what, I used to shop every once a week or every other week, but now I'm here every day because I just need to get that encouraging word from Johnny. A month later, Barbara gets another call. The matter goes, this is getting even crazier. He says, it's changing the whole culture of our store. He says, now in the floral department, when they break a flower, they used to just throw them away. But now when a flower gets broken, rather than throwing them away, they walk down the aisles and find an elderly lady or, or a young girl, and they pin the flower on her. Now, there, there are a lot of people on that orc chart at that store. But I'm here to tell you, the, the most important person in that grocery store is Johnny the bagger. He changed the culture. And brothers and sisters, if that can happen in a grocery store, it can happen in a church. 
It can happen in the home. It can happen in the workplace. It can happen in the school. It can happen in the college campus. And so I say, today, August the 16th, 2015, let's draw a line in the sand. Let's forget about the past. Let's live in the future. And let's determine that we are going to be a people who speak words of life into other people. That, 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 that we're going to be people who say, we're not going to gossip. We're not going to share hearsay. We're not going to engage in that deadly poison that can destroy lives and people. We're not going to spread those stories. We're not going to hear them. We're not going to pass them on. In fact, we're going to stop them. And we're not going to use our words to hurt people. We're not going to use our words to discourage people, to tear down people, to destroy people, to cause conflict. Instead, we're going to use our words to build other people up. I mean, what if that was our goal every time we came in? I mean, what if we took the lead from Johnny the Bagger, and every time you walked into church, you're thinking, you know what? I'm going to find seven people that I can speak words of life into. What if we all did that? And what if when, when you students go to school, right, you're going this week, you say, you know what? I'm going to speak words of life everywhere I go. And when you guys go back to work this week, and what if that's what our church became known for? That when you walk in here, you're not hearing the garbage and gossip and slander and put-downs and smash-downs and spirit-crushing talk. I, I mean, I, I think they would line up out our doors to the frozen food section. Because our world is just starving for it. It's just starving for encouragement. I mean, let's become a church that's known for that. Known for speaking words of life. Well, how's that going to happen? i got to hit this quickly. Number one, ask God for help. James said no man can tame the tongue. He didn't say God can't. All right? If it's a heart problem, i got to get a new heart. And guess what? Scripture says, right? I put a scripture in Ezekiel. You can check that out later this week. You know, where it's talking about the coming of Christ. He's going to give us a new heart and a new spirit. Paul said that if anyone's in Christ, he's a new creation. The old is gone. He gives us a new heart. He gives us a new heart. We need to ask God for help. That's what David did. Check out what David did. You see, we need supernatural power. We can't tame this beast on our own. I mean, our life is proof of that. David said this in, in Psalm 141, verse 3. Set a guard over my mouth. Oh, Lord, keep watch over the door of my lips. What a, what a great verse for us to memorize and to, and, 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 and to quote in the morning and throughout the day. God, put a muzzle on my mouth. God, guard my lips. God, don't let me be critical today. God, don't let me use my words to tear somebody today, down today. God, don't let me use my words to hurt people today. Ask God for help, and he'll help you. Because he knows the power of words to do good, doesn't he? Like he spoke and created everything. Man, words are so powerful. Johnny the bagger. And then think before you speak. Here's a little cross stick, you know, of the word think. Is it true? 
Because right? usually the juicy stuff, the juicier it is, some of that juice ain't real. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It just ain't that real. I mean, is it true? Is it helpful? I mean, is it going to help anything out? Is it going to help the problem out? Is it going to help the person out? Is it going to be helpful? You know, is it inspiring? I mean, will you work, are, is it going to build somebody up and motivate them to good things, to love and good deeds? Is it inspiring? Is it necessary? I mean, do we have to say anything at all? Proverbs ten nineteen says, words are many. Where, where words are many, sin is not absent. Where words are many, sin is not absent. I read a story this week in my study of a, a lady who, who uh, had a vocal cord issue and couldn't speak for six months. And so she had to write everything out. And, and, and as she's writing out, she'd be like, to her husband or someone, oh man, that's, that's pretty harsh. <laughs> I can't do that. It, she said it changed her. Because it made her realize, wow, that would have really been hurtful. I need to think. You know, is it necessary? Is it kind? I, I mean, is it encouraging? And will it dispense grace? And again, church, you know, our, our world is it, starving. Heck, we're starving, right? We're starving for good words, right? Aren't we? We're starving for encouragement. We're starving for words of life. We're starving for people to pouring the positive on us and not drown us in negative, right? Aren't we? And so today is a time to make a commitment. You know, it's like, you know, I can only make it for me, right? I got so much work to do. Man, I wish you the best luck on your tongue, and I'll share God's word with you, but man, I got a full-time job here. But I'm going to ask God for help, think before I speak, right? And, the, and make a commitment, say, today, 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 I'm saying, I'm making a commitment to use my tongue the right way for God's glory, and I'm going to use my words to bring life into other people. And what we're going to do here is the, the team's going to come up here, and, and they're going to just play some background music, and I, I have these tongue depressors. And, and, and you're going to write your name and try to, you know, adjust, do a left adjustment here because we're going to do something this week with these and bring them back next week in this awesome display thing, you know, and, and, and uh, you're going to write your name and you're saying, you know what, man, I, I screwed up. I may need to ask someone for forgiveness because I've really done some stupid things, but I know God wants to help me. And, and, and I know that I can begin to use my words to bring in life and just Write your name on it and drop it in there. You know, and then we're going to find a way to display this in an incredible way to say, you know what? You know, and, and it's my hope. It's God's hope that, you know, that we'll look back on this day as a church. And this isn't a preacher, preacher talk. He's trying to psych them up. Woo, yeah, yeah. No. That we'll look back on this day. And we'll say, you know what? Something special happened this day. And not just in this building, but people when they went home and when husbands talked to their wives and when wives talk to their husbands and kids to their parents, and when people went to work, and, and when people sat in life groups, when people talked in the hallways, and when people encountered people at the restaurants, it's just like people say, man, people say, I want to be in line with the people at Maple Grove. 
Because every time I'm around them, I feel encouraged. I feel lifted up. Today is August the 16th, 2015. For many of us in this room, it's going to be a big day for our homes and for our lives. And so whenever you're ready, grab you a... We have some here at this station, and at every kiosk, there's pens and tongue depressors.